TMC Health Talk is a podcast series featuring the doctors and healthcare staff at Texoma Medical Center. A name you can trust, quality you can count on. Here's Melanie Cole. According to the National Eye Institute, part of the National Institutes of Health, age-related macular degeneration is the most common cause of irreversible central vision loss in elderly patients. While retinal detachment is one of the most serious eye conditions, it is surgically treatable and can result in blindness if not treated promptly. Taking care of your precious eyes is an important part of your overall health. My guest today is Dr. Vijay Ketpal. He's an ophthalmologist, retina specialist, and a member of the medical staff at Texoma Medical Center. Welcome to the show, Dr. Ketpal. So let's start with macular degeneration since this is so common. Tell us a little bit about it and who is at risk. Thank you for inviting me. Macular degeneration is uh, is becoming a very uh, common problem of epidemic proportion uh, as we get uh, more and more baby boomers aging. It primarily affects um, patients over the age of 65, and it can cause central vision loss, and uh, uh, we see it quite commonly in our everyday practice. So what are some of the symptoms that might signal to somebody, you know, get get yourself to an ophthalmologist because this is something you need to have checked out right away? So it all starts off with a comprehensive eye exam after the age of 50, which I recommend every 5 to 10 years, even if you have no, no symptoms. Uh, the symptoms are uh, typically uh, very subtle in the early stages. Uh, you may have difficulty reading small print, uh, difficulty uh, making out the text at the bottom of the television screen uh, or distortion in your vision. The word seems to be blending together. And often uh, these uh, progress slowly uh, and it can progress to a loss of complete central vision. Is there a genetic component to macular degeneration? Well, that's still under debate and it's uh, all being worked out. We know there is a strong tendency towards uh, uh, development of macular degeneration, if you have a sibling or a parent, first-degree relative with with it, certain genetic markers have been implicated in macular degeneration, the details of which are still being worked out. So then let's talk about treatments. If somebody does come to you with these symptoms, first of all, how do you diagnose it? So diagnosis of macular degeneration involves a clinical exam as well as some specialized testing, which could involve getting images of the retina, the nerve tissue inside the eye, as well as some um, angiography testing called fluorescein angiography, where we inject dye in the arms and get pictures of the eye. Um, And uh, that tells us the the two types of macular degeneration, which is dry and wet. And the treatment is then determined based on the type of macular degeneration. So what does treatment look like? And, I mean, does someone have to be scared that this is going to lead to blindness? What what does treatment look like and what is the outcome, just as a general rule in a ballpark, for what you can do for somebody if they are suffering for this? Sure. So we can go into the two types of macular degeneration. And as the treatment protocols vary slightly, uh, uh, the dry kind is the more common type, and uh, that tends to progress very slowly, and most people maintain good vision over decades. Uh, there is no good treatment for the dry kind at this time, although there are some new drugs in development. The most common treatment for moderate to advanced dry macular degeneration is eye vitamin pills, which are often found on uh, grocery store uh, shelves. Uh, 
the other kind, uh, the more advanced kind, is the wet macular degeneration. The treatment for those is uh, uh, injectable drugs, which if used promptly, uh, just upon the onset of the wet macular degeneration, um, a lot of my patients can maintain useful vision throughout their life. That's excellent news. So now let's talk about retinal detachment, because while this is a pretty serious issue, it is something that, if caught early, right, can be treatable. So first of all, how does it even happen? Uh, we don't fully understand uh, a retinal detachment. We know uh, a lot of the risk factors. Um, it is includes history of uh, trauma, and it can in some cases be a minor trauma, um, and uh, increasing um, incidence of nearsightedness, which we see in the population, uh, history of retinal detachment in the family, as well as um, a previous eye surgery. These are three or four uh, risk factors which I see as a recurring theme. And so if it's something that happens, whether it's because of trauma or something else, how do you know? Would you feel it? Is this a painful condition? Um, so the symptoms of retinal detachment is uh, no pain. Uh, the retina has no um, Pain fibers, uh, it, all it, and its main job is uh, seeing and perceiving light. So the symptoms are flashing light. That's one of the most common uh, symptoms, as well as new onset floaters or dark spots which come in your vision. Now, we all have some floaters. What we are looking for is lot new onset floaters which are finer, uh, and uh, I would describe it as a dust storm in your vision. And uh, sometimes it's followed by a curtain coming over your vision. So part of your vision seems obscured or blocked. So then how is it treated, Dr. Katpal? Retinal attachment, uh, it, it depends on the... Uh, how fast the patient presents. If the patient presents very early, it's treated with a laser in the office, and that's all the, usually the patient needs in those cases. And uh, those patients tend to do very well. Uh, they have no downtime, and they can resume all their activities within uh, the same day. Um, if it turns out the uh, retinal detachment has advanced, and then it becomes a surgical uh, pr uh, problem, and it's, uh, the success rate of retinal detachment is So, Dr. Ketpal, what would you like to tell listeners about these eye issues and getting those annual or as often checkups as you think they should have? Give them your best advice for protecting their eyes. And you can even include things like sunglasses or protective eyewear. What should we be doing to take care of our eyes? The most important thing is to be aware that uh, uh, the eye conditions can affect you and uh, to monitor yourself, um, your vision, and your health. And it could be as simple as uh, covering one eye uh, and then trying to read and then comparing to the other eye. Uh, the, the key with, um, with your eye condition is detect early detection, and that starts off with a comprehensive eye exam. Uh, sunglasses um, and eye, other eye protection can help us from uh, things like injuries and decrease the UV exposure. That's, um, that's that's very helpful as well. But um, a lot of conditions like macular degeneration, retinal detachment, they would happen even if somebody was to wear eye protection and eye care. 
And are there any nutrients you'd like to tell the listeners about that can help their eyes? Is it true that carrots help your eyes? Just give us a little quick overview. So uh, carrots uh, has beta carotene, which is an important component of uh, the pigment we see in the retina. Um, most of us, if you have a, a good diet, you get enough of these nutrients and uh, you don't need to supplement uh, additional carrots. The, the, the only supplement that's shown to be helpful is uh, the eye vitamin pills, which are sold under various brands. Um, one of them is they follow the ARID2 Why should they come to Texoma Medical Center for their care? Well, uh, we are the premier uh, uh, hospital in uh, this region. We have uh, accumulated specialists from all uh, areas of specialties, and uh, and the TMC is undergoing rapid expansion and uh, is committed to providing high quality of care for the entire Texoma community. Thank you so much, Dr. Ketpal, for being with us today. You're listening to TMC Health Talk with Texoma Medical Center. For more information, you can go to texomamedicalcenter.net. That's texomamedicalcenter.net. Physicians are independent practitioners who are not employees or agents of Texoma Medical Center. The hospital shall not be liable for actions or treatments provided by physicians. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.